Well, good morning. For those of you that are new to Living Church, my name is Mark, and I'm blessed and privileged to be the lead pastor here of this wonderful people. And so I'm excited to, to share with you and teach with you this morning from God's Word. If you were to come inside our home, if you were to enter the front door of our house at 8506 Northport Drive, Anderson Township, when you walk in the front door and you look to the right, you'll see our living room. And inside our living room is a couch, there's a chair, there's a television, there's a television stand, there's a lamp, um, even the painting on the walls. All of that stuff, all those furnishings inside that living room, if you, when you come inside our house, is stuff that was given to us free, absolutely free. If you were to walk upstairs into the level where our bedrooms are, you would see a queen-size bed, frame, box springs, mattress, two chairs, coffee table. Again, furnishings given to us free. If you were to walk down the hall to the kids' rooms, all our kids' beds, all their mattresses. Again, furniture given to us free. Even the painting, painting of the walls in the kids' rooms. Again, given to us, done, all free. If you're to go downstairs into our basement, dollhouse, free. Foosball table, given to us, free. Kids' toys, kids' um, keyboard, given to us for free. If you were to walk outside of our house, walk into our shed, lawnmower, free. The green car that I currently drive, our 1997 Chevy Cavalier, given to us in January, free. I don't know if we have this thing above our heads that only we can't see but everybody else does. It says these people need help and they need a lot of stuff. I can't explain it. Oh, I can't explain it. But even this week, some friends came by, dropped off more furniture for our home. Free. Coffee table, end table, and there's a futon coming. <laughs> Free. I mean, if you come inside our house and you live life inside our house, then you will experience a bunch of free furnishings that we use to live life on a daily basis. And in a similar way, when you step inside Christ, when you come inside him, when you step out of sin, walk, walk through Jesus Street, walk across Jesus Street and his cross and through his blood and come into him, come inside Christ, you also experience free furnishings given to you that you do not deserve or did not earn. When you come into Christ, when you step inside him, you receive all kinds of free furnishings that you do not deserve, you did not earn. Furnishings that our hearts truly desire, hearts truly crave, and our souls need. Last Sunday, we started a new series, and we're calling it Inside Out. And we began by looking at a first century letter written to a group of first century Jesus followers in first century Ephesus. And we discovered that inside this letter, Paul starts, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, he begins it by giving us an address. And he says that inside this address is all that you need, all you need, all that your heart craves, all that your heart longs for, all that your soul needs is right here located inside this address. And we discovered last week that the address is called Inside Christ. And that's where we began last Sunday. If you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, I encourage you to join me in this first century letter. We know it to us as the book of Ephesians. 
the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, Bible app on your phone, join me there in this letter. Just as a quick review, last Sunday we learned that these Jesus followers living in Ephesus, they were struggling. They were really struggling. They lived in a city filled with greed, abuse of power, sexual perversion, pressure, And Paul was dear friends with these Jesus followers. And so he gets word while he's sitting in a prison because of his faith in Jesus, he receives word that these friends in Ephesus are struggling. They're struggling, so he writes them in a a letter, and and he knows that they're, they're in a battle. They're in a battle for their marriages, a battle for their families, their purity, their integrity, their lives in the name of Christ. And they, like us, were asking questions, something like this, how in the world do I live Christ in a culture that seems so upside down? How do I follow Christ when the pressures and the, and the temptations are so intense? And he writes this letter to encourage them. And if I could summarize the entire letter of Ephesians, I believe the summary of this book is this. What Paul's trying to communicate to these struggling Jesus followers is this. Who you are inside Jesus and what you have from being inside Jesus is the fuel you need to live Jesus in a culture that needs him. I believe that's the over, the, the umbrella statement, if you will, the umbrella theme or message that Paul's trying to communicate in this letter to these struggling Ephesian friends, these Jesus followers in Ephesus. Who you are inside Jesus and what you receive from being inside Jesus, again, is the fuel to live Jesus in a world that needs him. And so Paul continues. He continues the letter. And he says, listen, inside this address known as inside Christ is the help and the hope that you need that your hearts need. And we pick it up in verse 1, and he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And there we stopped and we camped there last Sunday. And when you come inside Christ, you realize that you have a new identity in life and you receive a new view of life. That's how Paul starts his letter. You're saints in Ephesus. You're faithful inside Christ Jesus. In verse 2, he goes on. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Where? Inside Christ. When we were looking to purchase our home on Northport, we were working with a realtor. And we probably, I don't know how many homes we looked at before we landed in, in, on, New, on Northport. But what we would do is he would take us to a home, and he would either have the key or the code to get us into the home. And what he would typically do is he would, you know, open the front door, and Andrew and I would walk through the front door. And if you've ever done this before, been in, you know, house shopping mode, then you can relate to this. And he takes you in the front door, the realtor, he or she, and they just kind of open the door, and they kind of show you the different rooms in the house. And now these houses were unfurnished. And that's exactly what Paul's doing here, but he's doing it with a furnished home. He's going to, like a realtor, he's going to lead us through this home called Inside Christ. And he's going to show us that inside Christ, everything you need for life and godliness is camped right in there. Everything you need. Every room is filled, fully furnished with what you need in Jesus Christ. And so like a realtor, he's going to take us through all the different rooms this morning. And we're going to look at these furnishings, these free furnishings that we receive simply because Christ and his grace has given them to us. And he, stops at, he starts at verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing inside Christ. It's kind of like what I, what I envision is Paul kind of takes us inside. If this is inside Christ, okay, this represents inside Christ, this house. Paul kind of takes us in the doorway in verse 3, and he says, okay, before I show you the rooms, let's just stop here for a moment. 
He leads us into the entryway and he just pauses. And he stops. He says, listen, before I show you all the different rooms, I got to tell you something. I, got, I just got to tell you something. Before I lead you down the hall and upstairs and all this, show you all these different things that you get from being inside Christ, I just need to tell you that before I take you through, everything you need to follow Christ is in here. Everything. Every spiritual blessing, everything you need for your heart, for your soul is, is right here. Before I show you, you just, it's kind of like a summary statement. He's saying, listen, I know you've seen the pictures online and heard all this stuff, but we're in it now. And I, I want to tell you that what I'm about to show you is going to blow you away. Everything you need is right here. Well, where do we get them? And he says, well, these are inside Christ. Every spiritual blessing inside Christ, which means if you're outside Christ, you don't get what's in here. You can't receive this. You've got to be inside Christ to receive all these spiritual blessings. And he says, they're in the heavenly realms. Home is from where, or heaven is the home from where these blessings come, and they come inside Christ. Now notice he doesn't promise us every material blessing. This is not a health and wealth gospel, which some do preach. That if you come to Jesus, you get a bigger car, you get a bigger house, you get all this stuff. That's not the gospel. If that was the gospel, then there would be no crown of thorns, there would be no blood, there would be no blood, there would be no death, there would be no cross. Just because you come inside Christ does not mean that everything's going to go great with your life. In fact, what happens many times is you experience suffering, but you have everything you need inside Christ to endure to bring Christ glory. So he promises them every spiritual blessing because let's face it, real blessings are blessings that last forever, are they not? And he said, that's what, he, that's what he's doing in the song that we sang, Hosanna. I never knew this until I'm st- standing there singing it. There's a line in there that says, open our eyes to things unseen. That's exactly what Paul is doing. He's like, I'm, I'm going to open your eyes to things unseen, things that you have from being simply inside Christ, that Christ through his cross and his resurrection has provided for you. And then he moves on. Well, well, what are some of these things, these furnishings that we get? He's like, okay, now I got you in the entryway. I've told you everything you need for life and godliness is right in here. Now let me lead you down the hall and make a left, and I'll take you to this first room. And that's verse 4. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He says, listen, inside this room, this first room to the left down the hall, he says, inside Christ you are furnished with being his chosen. You're furnished with being his chosen. Now, sometimes we struggle with that a little bit. We, we kind of go, well, God picked? Yes, God picked. you got to understand something. If God didn't pick, you would have never picked God. You would have never picked God. The Scriptures tell us, Romans 3, verse 11, there's no one righteous, no one who does good, no one who seeks God. You say, well, I seek God. The only reason you seek God is because God sought you first. That's it. That's why you see God, because God's, we love, not because we loved him, but because what? He first loved us. God's always the first initiator. You didn't get this house because you paid for it. He paid for it, and he picked you a long time ago to put you inside here. That, God chose. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Listen, you would not choose to come to God if God did not first choose you to come to God. God picked. God chose and you say, well, when did God choose? Before the creation of the world. 
Before the foundation of the world, you say, so let, let's say we, we get with the owner of this house and we're sitting across the table and the owner's like, I'm giving you this completely free. You did nothing to deserve it or earn it. I'm giving it to you and you just got to accept it and come inside. And you're going, well, when did you pick me for, to be the one to come in? I picked you before I created the world, God says. What? Yes. And, and our response is exactly Paul's response. Praise be to the God and Father. I don't get it. I don't totally understand all that, is, all that there is with the whole doctrine of election and everything and God choosing. But the response is simple. If you're inside Christ, he gets all the glory because we did nothing to deserve to be inside here. He gets it all. He receives it. He receives all the glory and all the praise. He chose you before the foundation of the world if you're inside Christ. And he chose you to make you holy and blameless because only those who are holy and blameless can be in here. And so when he sees you, he sees his son. Notice it says in his sight to be holy and blameless in his sight because of Christ. And you're inside Christ. When the father looks down and sees you inside here, who's he really seeing? He's seeing his son. He's seeing Christ. To be holy and blameless in his sight. I love the quote by Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, who's a theologian in the 19th century, said this. He said, we are chosen not because we are holy, but that we may be made holy. The election precedes the character and is indeed the moving cause in producing the character. That's, that's pretty meaty, pretty, pretty weighty there. So let me try to explain that. What he's saying is God chose you not based on your goodness, but to make you holy. And when you realize that he chose you, that he picked you, then you want to live, ho- live holy out of gratitude for what he's done for you. You don't live holy so that he'll like you. You live holy because he picked you to go in here and you're like, thank you, I don't deserve this, but I'm glad before the foundation of the world you had me on your mind. God, thank you for putting me in there. Thank you for giving it to me. You say, well, who did God choose? Those who are inside Christ or those who will come inside Christ. Well, how do you know if you're in? If you're inside Christ. How do you know if God chose you? If you're in here. You say, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know if I'm inside Christ. I don't know if God chose me. Well, when you go across Jesus Street and you come inside and you walk around, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, God chose me because I'm inside Christ. You see how that, that's what he's trying to, he's trying to remind these Jesus followers in Ephesus, say, listen, remember this situation. They're struggling, Right? They're struggling. And he's like, listen, I just want to take you to things unseen. I want to show you where you are inside Christ. That inside Christ, you are furnished with being his chosen. And what that means is this, that maybe you didn't get picked for the job. Maybe you didn't get picked by her or picked by him. But when you're inside Christ, you can celebrate because God picked you. God chose you to come inside here. And that's worthy of praise this morning. It's worthy of his praise. And so when you feel unwanted... Know that when you're inside Christ, you realize you are wanted by him. Inside this room is filled with inside Christ. Or, or inside Christ is, is there this, this room that has the furnishings of us being chosen. And it satisfies and fully provides that need for being and feeling wanted. Paul says, okay, that's a phenomenal room. And you, need to, you could camp there for years. You could just sit in that room, sip a cup of coffee, and just think on that for days. He says, but no, that's, we're just doing a tour here. So he leads us down the hall. Look at the room on the right. Let me show you another room that's inside Christ. He says this. He says, he predestined us, verse 5, to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Inside Christ, Paul says, there's a room that's furnished with you being his adopted. That's furnished with being his adopted. 
And he says it's through Jesus Christ. Adopted as his sons. Again, Christ is the source of the furnishings. You don't get these unless you're inside Christ. And he says, if you're inside Christ, you are furnished with being his adopted. Now, we understand adoption. It's very prevalent in our culture today, right? It's legally declaring that someone who is not your child is to be treated and cared for as your child. And in this context, not only are they to be treated and cared for as your child, but they receive all the rights of inheritance. All the rights of inheritance. Now, we have been, our family has been blessed because we have some dear friends that have moved into our neighborhood who have adopted two children. And in the morning, they, these two girls get dropped off um, at our home, and it's been a blessing for, for us, me and my wife, and it's just been phenomenal. And the other morning, Andrea was gone, and it was my privilege to get my two girls and these two girls off to school because they attend the same school. And so I walked them down to school. But before we did, I said, listen, ladies, girls, we've got to do the go-to-school dance. I'm just making it up, okay? Just be funny and have fun. They're like, what? Go-to-school dance? I'm like, yeah, we're going to do the go-to-school dance, Right? And me and my craziness, I just start making up lyrics as I'm going, right, just totally on the fly here. We do this, start doing this little dance kind of thing. These girls are smiling. They're having a great time, man. And then we walk down to school, right? And then the next morning, the next morning, one of the little, little girls, they're both adopted from China, that she comes up. She's like, well, they were getting ready to walk out the door. And she's like, we got to do the go-to-school dance, we got to go to, the, go to, so we did the go to school dance right there in the living room, right? And as I'm walking them to school, it just hits me. It hits me, and I'm thinking, where would these girls be if it were not for this family that had adopted these two little girls? Where would they be? And where would you and I be if God had not adopted us? And these girls, they, when they were adopted, they receive a new family. They receive a new mother, a new father. And if you read Paul's letter, that's exactly what he says. Adoption involves you receiving a new father. Christ's father becomes your father. And in chapter 3, he says this. He says in chapter 3, verse 12, he says, In Christ and through faith in Christ, we approach God with freedom and confidence. Chapter 3, now moving to verse 13. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. What he's saying is because God has adopted you, you receive a new Father, God the Father, and now you have access to him 24-7. You can approach him 24-7. You, you receive a new Father because God has adopted you. And he says to you, receive a new family because that's what adoption does. You break free from the one family or the no family, and now you have a family, and the family that's inside Christ is the church. You receive a new family. And Paul talks about that through his letter, Jews and Gentiles. I liken it to the Hatfields and McCoys coming together. And they can get along and they actually love one another and they enjoy one another and they serve one another all because of what Christ has done for them. They come together and Paul says, listen, because he's adopted you, you have a new father, you receive a new family and everything that is the father's is now yours. Yours. Things unseen. And if you're inside Christ, this is what you have. This is what he's given to you. You're furnished with being his adopted now, keep in mind the situation to which Paul is writing. It's very likely that some of these Jesus followers in Ephesus, some of their relationships with their family members were severed. 
because some of their family members probably continued to worship Artemis. And they're like, no, I'm not worshiping her anymore. I'm worshiping Jesus. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And the family maybe said, well, we don't want to be with you anymore because you worship Jesus. How can you worship him? And what Paul, I believe, is trying to do is trying to encourage him to say, listen, even though the family may not understand, even though your friendships may not understand, and now that you're inside Christ, he says, you have a new father. You have a new family. You belong, he says. Inside Christ, you belong to the God of the universe. And so inside that room, inside Christ, that need to belong is fully, fully furnished, fully provided. He adopted you. He came for you. You receive a new father. You become part of a new family. All that's yours because of what he did for us on the cross. All of it's ours if you're inside Christ. He says, okay, first two rooms are pretty cool. You got the whole, you're furnished with being his chosen. You're furnished with being his adopted. Let's keep going. I got to show you this next room. Look at verses six through eight. He says, all this happened to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us, and the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. What did he lavish? Grace in verse 8. And then in verse 6, which he has freely given us in the one he loves, in him, and he goes on with redemption and forgiveness of sins. Paul says, listen, there's another room, and inside this room you are fully furnished with God's grace. You're fully furnished with his grace. You're accepted in the beloved, and if, that, if your translation reads that, the beloved is referencing Jesus Christ. You're accepted because of his grace. God accepts you when you're inside Christ. You're not under condemnation. You're adopted. You're a family member. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. You're accepted by him. And inside Christ, you're furnished with his grace. And Paul begins to describe in verse 6 and 7 and 8 this, this grace. He says, in him we have. Inside Christ, again, it's this, you don't get this outside of Christ. You only get it inside Christ. He says, in him you have redemption through his blood. Which means Christ's sacrifice on the cross was the payment required to free you and me from the bondage of our sin. And our shame and our guilt. And then that redemption provided through the blood of Christ on the cross brings forgiveness of sins. He no longer holds you guilty for your sins against him. You may hold yourself guilty, but when you're inside Christ, he no longer holds you guilty. Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who what? Are, where? In Christ Jesus. That's grace. It's his lavished grace so because of, because of his grace, you're redeemed through his blood, you receive the forgiveness of sins, and you receive immeasurable love because is that not what grace is? Undeserved love and goodness from God. Undeserved love. And Paul prays that for, the, for these Ephesians Christians in chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. Oh, I just pray that you would know how, how high and how wide and how deep and how long is the love of Christ for you. A couple, well, a long time ago, our family, my family, my brother, sister, and my parents, we took a trip to Niagara Falls. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Well, I remember going there as a kid, and I remember standing on the railing there and just watching this rush of water just go off the, I mean, it was incredible, intense. And you could do this little boat ride where it's called, I think, Made of the Mist. I don't know if they still do that anymore. But you could go down, pay some money, obviously, get on this little boat that's down at the bottom of the falls, and you put on little rain gear, and you stand there on the boat, and you just get drenched, right, with the mist of the falls. 
Now, I didn't know this at the time, but I was kind of studying it this week. And did you know that over 200,000 tons of water go off the falls per minute? Per minute. 200,000 tons. Can you imagine standing underneath the falls? I mean, you'd be done, right? You'd just be done. But, but if you're on the mate of the mist, you just, they got to give you rain gear just from the mist. And it's a beautiful picture, I think, of God's lavished grace. Take the raincoat off, man, and just enjoy the grace of God. If you're inside Christ, he's lavishing his grace on you. He is raining it. He is pouring it down on you. I love this quote by uh, McCaslin. He says this, God's grace toward us is not squeezed out from an eyedropper or carefully rationed like water during a drought. His grace is a Niagara of superabundance so lavish that we marvel at his display. I love that. God just, here you go. Here's some more grace. I mean, he's just drenching us with his grace. And it's all inside here. And if you're struggling with being accepted, you're struggling with not being loved, listen, God's grace is evidence to you that you are loved inside Jesus Christ. You are loved by him. He lavishes his grace on you. And you can think of the situation in Ephesus. Maybe there were some Jesus followers who were struggling and they're trying to find acceptance and love through work, through sex, through religion, through greed. And Paul reminds them, listen, inside Christ you are fully accepted, fully furnished with the incredible grace and love of God inside Christ. So when you're inside Christ, he la- he's lavished you with his grace. You're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're accepted. Paul says, okay, pretty awesome house, Right? You're furnished with being his chosen, furnished with being his adopted. You're furnished with his grace. Let's keep rolling. He says, let me take you down the hall. Actually, let's go upstairs. Let me show you the upstairs. And inside there, this room, I want to show you what's inside this room. And go to verses 13 and 14 of chapter 1. He says this, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. He says, Having believed, you were marked in him, marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when you come inside Christ, God himself marks you, puts on you, puts in you his Holy Spirit, his very presence. Now, a seal represented all kinds of different things back in the first century. One in particular was it represented like a bond or security, a bond or security. So in a sense, inside Christ, he's saying, God has put his Holy Spirit on you, in you, to mark you as his own, to mark you as his own. He says in verse 14, this Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. What he's saying is there was a first redemption, which is the redemption that brings forgiveness of sins. But there's a coming redemption when God is going to come back and he's going to pick up all those that have his Holy Spirit on them, all those that are inside Christ. And he's going to come back and get them. And what he knows is if you're his, he's going to come get you if you're marked with his Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know if you're marked with his Holy Spirit? If you're inside Christ. If you're inside Christ, you're marked with his Holy Spirit. It's kind of like back in the day, like layaway. I don't know if they still do that anymore, but do they still do layaway? Some places might do, do layaways. So I remember that as a kid where you really wanted something, and you'd go to me. I'd ride my little bike down to the Hearts Department Store in Mount Vernon, okay? I'd ride my little bike down there, and I'd go down there. Maybe I wanted something. I'd saved up my dollars, and I'd go, and, I'd, and I didn't have all the money, so I'd go put it on layaway, right? And I'd buy, I don't know, give them like, pick up something, maybe a shirt or whatever. As a kid, I would never wanted a shirt. I don't know what it was, but like a Tonka truck or something. And so I'd go to the layaway, hand them the Tonka truck. Here's $5. I'll be back. I don't know when, 
but I'll be back. Okay, it's the deposit. It's, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get this. And in a sense, that's what Paul is saying. He's like, listen, you, you are guaranteed when you're inside Christ that when Christ comes back, when he returns, you're going to be with him forever. And the promise of that, the deposit, is the Holy Spirit that's on you. Your future is secure. Your present circumstance may look very insecure. But Paul tells them, listen, regardless of your present circumstance, your future is secure. And it's secure because you have his Holy Spirit on you. You have his Holy Spirit inside you. He sets his Holy Spirit, fully furnishes you with his Spirit. Final room that we look at this morning. Final room. Tour's almost over. He says, let me show you this last room, Paul says. We're still upstairs. Takes us to the last room on, on the right. And here it is, verses 18 through 20. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and this incomparably great power for who? For us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted inside Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So on the lower level, you've been fully furnished with being his chosen, fully furnished with being his adopted, fully furnished with his grace. On the upper level, we look at you, you're fully furnished with his Holy Spirit. And listen, this is all, if you're inside Christ, this is going on inside of you right now. Right now. And he says, okay, now let me just tell you, if you didn't like that other stuff, if you don't like it, let me show you. This, this is really cool. This is what you got going on inside Christ. He says, you have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ inside you. You got, you got the power of Christ inside you. And that's what he says. He says, it's for us who believe, verse 19. Inside Christ is the power that resurrected Christ from the grave. And so when you're inside Christ, you also possess that same resurrection power. You say, I don't feel it. I'll be honest with you. I don't feel it a lot either. But just because you don't feel it doesn't mean you don't have it. It's kind of like electric in your home, right? You want to turn something on, you got to plug something in, right? You plug it in. Does it flip on? I mean, I know you got to do the on switch, but go with, okay, you plug it in and you know there's electricity going on. The electricity is there. Just because you may not feel it all the time or activate it or use it all the time, it's there. And he's saying inside Christ, you have the very power that resurrected Christ from the grave. And so because of his resurrection power, you can resist the temptation of sin when you're inside Christ. You can persevere through the struggle. You can endure through the pain, not through your own power, but through his resurrection power, because all of his resurrection power is inside Christ. And those who are inside Christ have that availability of power to them. So the tour comes to a close. Paul takes us back down the floor, down, down to the main level. And you stand back, right? And you go, this is, this house is for me? Fully furnished? I have, you're giving me, you're giving me all this? And God says, yeah, it costs me a lot. It costs me. But it costs you nothing to receive it. It cost me my son, but I love you, and I know that you would never choose me if I did not choose you, so I want you to come inside. I want you to come inside. And the response is this, how and why would God do this? And if you read chapter 1 over and over, about 
three or four times it's mentioned, to the praise of His grace, to the praise of His glory. God gave us this because of His grace and for His glory. When we step back and we look at the house, we don't go, wow, look what I built. Look what I created. Isn't that cool? No. We go, I can't believe this guy gave me this house. I can't believe he did it. And you start living inside Christ. You start living this way. And people are going, why are you so different? Well, I got to tell you what God gave me. I don't get any credit for this. He gets all of the credit because inside him, he's given it all this. Fully furnished me with being his chosen, being his adopted, his grace, his Holy Spirit, his resurrection power. And so this morning, if you're outside Christ, come inside. Step out of your house of sin and self. Go through Jesus Street on the cross and his resurrection. And the doors open, you just come inside. You come inside. And for those of us that are inside Christ, here's our response. Look around. Look around. Things unseen that are yours purely because of his grace and for his glory. God, through his grace and for his glory, has furnished those inside Christ for everything they need to live inside out. And if you're here this morning outside of Christ, like the Ephesians, Paul says, having believed you were included in Christ, verse 13, chapter 1, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him, just simply step out of your sin, which is repentance, come through the way of the cross and his resurrection and come inside Christ. And again, for those that are already inside Christ, this morning and every day, look around. Look around. Praise be. You can understand why Paul then starts verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father. Come inside and look around. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for placing those of us inside Christ this morning for choosing us when we would not choose to come to you on our own, for furnishing us with so much and forgive us, God. I feel like we need, behalf of the church, we need to say we're sorry for we get so wrapped up in what we don't have and we forget what we do have in you. And so I ask that you would forgive us of our sin of ingratitude. And God, I ask that as a church, we would truly respond in praise and glory because Jesus Christ is enough He is enough. And for those here this morning that are outside of Christ, may they today, by faith, come inside Christ, believing Christ and what he did for them on the cross as the payment for their sins. And Lord, help us as a church to continue to just look around. Look around. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing.